Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? Flash mob is when the mob they show up in a flash. Oh. So if you're at the mall, okay. if you're at the mall, I haven't and, been and to a mall. Sudden, Let me quote Phil. Let me get my inner Phil. I haven't been to a mall in probably 15 to 20 years. What about a Chick-fil-A? I've been through the drive-thru. So there's, there's a viral video. In fact, somebody that we both know who goes into a Chick-fil-A and he just starts singing a, a, a praise song by oh, himself. I've, I've seen and that happen. Another guy stands up. You know what I'm talking about? And then like, then you have the whole the whole. There's like 50 people in Chick Fil A, and they're all singing the song. Yeah, and it looks like it's random plan. I believe my flash mob. Yeah, I did, I wasn't familiar with that term. I was. I'm pretty sure my wife and a group of Jesus loving people one day pulled into a parking lot at a Chick Fil A, and they sang. That was the plan. I thought, babe, that's good. I, I like it. That's when, a flash mob. Well, okay. I learned something. I'm not familiar with the term flash mob, but now that I am, I'm going to make it my ambition to avoid that confrontation for the remainder of my life, unless we're being <laughs> gathered together to go to heaven. So let me. It's encouraging. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, used to, I didn't like crowds of people, but someone told me something that stopped me in my tracks and I had to change my view on that because I said I just don't like big crowds and they said well there's going to be a pretty big crowd in heaven you need to get over that I thought valid point noted so I went to a wedding this weekend my wife she's you know we're living in two different places and she said we need to go to this wedding and it'll be a good excuse for us to spend the weekend together. I just typed absolutely at that point of the conversation. So my son was in the wedding, and I was surprised it was it was well attended. the The thought that hit me, because the preacher got up, you know Tommy. He did the wedding, and he made a comment that I thought, you know. This, this was a profound statement. He got up there, and the first thing he did, he said, I want you to relax and whisper in each other's ear what this moment means to you. And so my wife went, oh. I thought, boy, this guy, he's good. Because a lot of people forget their wedding. I mean, when I think back to my wedding, I, it's a fog. But then he did this. He, he quoted Genesis 2 where it wasn't good for a man to be alone. And then he told the story of how Adam fell into the sleep and he took a rib and made the woman. And then he, the famous quote, the two will become one flesh. And I thought, you know, a lot of people who don't believe in God, when they hear that, because I've heard that since I was 14. And I believe that. I believe that's how humans got here. And I believe that's why people are married. But a lot of people who don't believe in God, at that point, they're like, so you actually believe that there's a God who created a woman out of a man's rib? Come on. 
What do you think? Do you agree with that? It's it seems it. in that moment because I thought there's there's got to be a lot of non Jesus loving people here because there was a lot of people there, and I bet I wonder what they're thinking at that point. Yeah, but the wedding was phenomenal. They had a the after reception was at a different location. They had a tent. The woman that he married, which is this the guy that that was married, is a duck hunter. Which first when I saw him, I said, "What? Why would you be getting married as a duck hunter during duck season?" And he just kind of looked at me bewildered and looked at her, and I thought, "Okay, well, I guess that answered that." But she she teaches dance or something, and I've never seen such a synchronized when they they came to the reception they they did a a a dance that lasted like 10 minutes but in my world i don't know a lot of people who can dance well but this was awesome it was fun it was it was just a great night so you say why am i telling you this it was great for my wife and I. It was kind of romantic. Got to see my son and his wife, and it was a festive thing. And for this moment, you know, you forgot about the world's problems and everybody being, you know, scared about getting the coronavirus and dot, dot, dot. But I said that to say this. It reminded me that we're in Acts 2, and we're fixed to head off into that. And this is the place in our history where you can point back to where God married humans. It's a good point. That probably in our culture is as profound as saying that woman was created out of a man's rib. What do you think, Zach? Do you see why I'm making that conclusion? That's a bold statement. I'm, 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 um... I'm thinking about the indwellment of the Holy Spirit that happens on uh, the day of Pentecost. There is a union that goes down with God and man. Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about in Ephesians 5 when he is writing to the, the church, the group of people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And he's given them, first of all, in the first three chapters, he, he gives everything that we have in Christ and God is our Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guarantee in our inheritance. And he gets all the way to chapter 5, and he starts talking about relationships. And he brings up husbands and wives. He's like, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. You know, s- submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. You, you follow me? Then he goes down to the end of chapter yeah. 5, and he makes a profound statement. He said, I'm talking about Christ and the church. But you should also love your wives and wives. He, he, he made a reference to the bride of Christ, which is the church. Here we have a group of people who hear from Peter this act of God through Peter where Jesus is declared. They respond. They receive God's spirit, and they become the bride of Christ in this moment. So it's a spiritual marriage, but it's a lot like the physical union between a man and a woman. Yeah. One man, one woman, and they become one. They become we one. We become one through the Spirit of God indwelling us, one with God, Jesus, the Spirit. We become one with him. In that sense, it is a marriage. It's a marriage. That, that's all I was saying. It reminded me of the marriage... I have in Christ, but it's it's bonded to the Holy Spirit of God, which is why you're saying it's more of a spiritual thing. That's why you should take the marriage between a man and a woman very seriously. You, one day you get up and say, well, divorce, I, I'm tired of you. It's like telling Jesus, I'm tired of you. I don't, and they, it's a lot of, lot of uh, same type uh Drama, I mean, trauma. I guess drama because you say, well, I'll just desert the one I'm married to through the spirit. And we we make kind of a mockery out of husband and one husband, one wife. 
So uh, it's a lot of different things. It's a lot of uh, similarities, I will say. Well, right. They people. I just read the Ephesians five while you were talking. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a valid point. Yeah. Well, you remember when John the Baptist said in John three? I mean, this just popped into my head when he said to this. John replied in verse twenty-seven: "A man can receive only what is given him from heaven," which is a bumper sticker right there. If we just all believe that, the yeah. world would be a much better place. A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that, it, that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must became become greater i must become less i just think he was sowing the seed of what we're discussing here and there's numerous references to the church being the bride of christ i guess the biggest difference in our marriage to jesus and our normal marriage is that jesus is perfect i mean you have in our marriage you have two imperfect people that's why there's so many hills and valleys but you still have hills and valleys. You saying Missy's not perfect? Well, in Jesus she is. But <laughs> good answer. <laughs> in case she happens to listen to this, <laughs> I, she actually listened to three or four uh, of these podcasts recently, and that's the nervous, most nervous I've been in probably ten years. She said when I she was coming back actually to the wedding, she said I actually listened to like four of y'all's podcasts on the way here. And I was standing up and I just sat down because I thought, oh boy, where is this conversation going? But actually she 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 liked it. So I, I was like, oh, phew. I was glad that she didn't hear one, you know, because I've been pretty open yeah, about it. Yeah, I've been open about the in-laws and, you know, the marriage and, so uh, I was nervous about which ones she had listened to. But, look, I just think when you look at it that way, Phil had a good point. You know, it gets away from this idea of you being married to Jesus three hours a week. Plus, we're not called the bride of Christ flippantly. We, we're, we're, yeah. we're called that he means for us to take that seriously. But just think, Phil, if your marriage in Christ only happened at a church building, well, try to put that in your normal marriage. So three hours a week, you go get your wife and you say, okay, let's spend some quality time. Yep. But the rest of the time, the how many hours in a week? 168. 68. So 165 hours, you do your own thing. Yep. That's not going to work. The dog won't hunt. It's not going to work. Let's take a quick break, Jace. Phil, I'm going to talk about something that you may know very little about. This company is called Express VPN. Here's what they do. If you ever decide to get on the Internet and look at things, read up on things, yeah. this company provides a way so people can't track you. Do I have that right, Zach? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a it's a virtual private network. It's a virtual private network. So here's what you do. If you're interested in that, if you ever have the bug to actually turn on the computer and get on the internet, you visit expressvpn.com slash fail. That's E X P R E S S vpn.com slash Phil and you'll get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Phil and you can learn more. I'm pretty hard to track at this moment virtually or not so virtually. Valid point. So we're in Acts chapter 2. And I woke up in the middle of the night last night and had this thought. So 
Zach, you told me that if you ever, if that ever happens, you need to share that. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the first two verses of Acts 2, of course, he said it was going to be poured out. And in verse 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Now, you'll notice in both those things, it, it wasn't fire and it wasn't wind. It was it was the sound like the blowing of a violent wind, and it it seemed to be tongues of fire. Well, we know what it was. It was the Holy Spirit. And so the writer was trying to use descriptive things to give you an idea of what this was like. So I thought about what I woke up in the middle of the night and thought about is the different ways the Holy Spirit is used symbolically in the Bible. And four popped into my head. There may be more. So two of them I just read, fire, wind, or, or breath. Remember when he, he said he breathed the Holy Spirit on them? So this unseen air, uh, fire, water, which you, the idea of poured out. And then John 7, he said streams of living water, and it says by this he meant the Holy Spirit. And the other one I thought was anointing. And there's a few references to being anointed by with oil as representative of the Holy Spirit. But when you start thinking about the qualities of those four symbolic things that we have, I mean, you think about a fire. What are, what are the positive qualities about fire? What's the first thing you think of as related to the Holy Spirit? Well, heat, which is awesome when you're freezing, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, uh, the benefit of that is not only can be life-saving, but it's actually an awesome experience, but it also purifies, you know, you get something hot enough and there's a whole section in first Peter about that. It refines and, and purifies it also, once it get once a fire gets going, it's unstoppable by human means. Uh, and you can do that in each quality, like water. I mean, that's pretty obvious. It It's more powerful when you're thirsty. But, you know, someone once said, which was a fact we all know that we haven't really pointed out, is where there is no water, there is no life. And wind can be powerful, unpredictable, but also you know, the qualities of that and the anointing I thought about in this case, it sets you apart as, as you have a job to do. You know, God sets us apart through his Holy Spirit. And, and even the oil had a, a symbolic aspect of healing. And you think what the Spirit does to our past mistakes and we made in that healing process. So I said all that to say this. It, it was a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through chapter 2, he makes reference to that. He quotes Joel, but he also gets down to verse uh, 29 and 30 there, and it, it, it says he, God has poured out what you now see and hear. Where's that at? Uh, no, it's 33. He, he talks about Jesus, and then he says... He gave you the promised Holy Spirit in verse 33 and poured out what you now see and hear. Well, then in 38, when they respond and, and receive the indwelling, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you now have this, all these benefits of what it symbolized throughout the entire Old Testament and throughout Jesus's ministry on, on many the earth. of these people the Jews that Peter was speaking to many of those people were the ones the very ones who said crucify him get rid of him so when they heard that it was through him that the spirit would be made available even to them after they murdered him you know forgive them father they don't know what they're doing he was talking to a lot of these people who were standing there who just heard what Peter said. He preached the gospel to them. 
Uh, God raised him from the dead. You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter's talking to the people who actually said, kill him, crucify him, and be done with him. But yeah, Peter, that's 23. Yeah, and Peter reminds him, he said, God raised him from the dead, free him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then he talked about David. He died and is still dead. But when he gets down there, he said, what you're seeing is the, the power of what I've just told you. It's through him. Well, the, the Lord, uh, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God's made this Jesus whom you crucified guilty. He said, both Lord and Christ. He's the Messiah you've been waiting on. This is how he showed up, unbeknown to you, evidently. Well, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said, ah, you mean to tell me by murdering him, our murdering him, the blood that was shed is going to remove our sin and raise us from the dead, and we're the ones that did it. Yeah. They are stunned. They're just they're just they're just flabbergasted. They're floored. They don't know what to do. They're like, good. What do we do? Well, he tells them, you see all this power that's being unleashed? You can get in on something out of action if you want to. I'm paraphrasing here. He said, <laughs> he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And by the way, this goes this same message and response flows throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when he was saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. He told them over and over and over. It finally got to the ones who said, get rid of him, crucify him. He did die. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he told all of them that were standing there post-resurrection, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, he told them that, and then he flew out of here. Well, now this is the first group. This is the first big event, the unleashing of the power of the Spirit and made available to every last human being, including the ones who murdered Jesus himself. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, the ones that murdered him, I bet they burned in hell. No, God gave him a chance to come back yeah. right here and three... Those save yourself in this corrupt generation. He warned them. He pleaded with them down in verse 40 and 41. Those who accepted his message that Jesus had died for him was buried and raised from the dead, and they were part of the murdering of him. And 3,000 were added to their number that day. And now somebody said there's several billion of us scattered across planet Earth. Which in essence was when God married humans through his son you know if you go back to verse 14 they had just heard this sound they had seen seen this the bewilderment of the holy spirit being poured out and they hear all this their own language and welcome back zach and coming from the apostles and when peter stood up which is i did a sermon one time over on those first four words, because I went through Peter's past every time where he just did something stupid, said something he shouldn't have, denied Jesus, and then this happens. Jesus is crucified, is buried, and resurrected. The Spirit comes out, and if you look at everybody's life, every human being's life, there's always a pit, because we all sin, you know, and then... There's a moment of trying to figure out where it all went wrong. Well, the last place you want to get to as far as as healing and overcoming any obstacle is is this move right here. He stood up. Things have changed. By the way, the next big event from Acts chapter 2, you can conclude that when when. All these Jews heard all these people speaking in all these languages. These things are going worldwide. This is a happening. He says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and daughters will, will tell. They will speak. They will prophesy. They will speak of these, these, these days. They will, well, we're 2,000 years in 
the last days. So the next big event after this one, that's the, that's the beginning of the end. The Spirit being available to everybody and everybody can be saved and have be, become immortal. You say death's been conquered, the sin problem has been solved. This, this is the final roundup right here. We've been on the final roundup, Jace, for yeah. roughly 2,000 years, and you say, and you can, life and immortality is on the table, free of charge. The grace of God have covered all. God's trying to get them to repent, but I'm looking around. I don't know whether they're going to repent or not. I'm like, well, he, he, we're, we're, it, this, what we're reading was the beginning because he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Then just below there, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And, you know, the last yeah. days, last days. So Hebrews 1, you know, uh, alludes to this. It's a yeah. doozy. Listen how this reads. Here comes Jesus, born of a woman. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And you, you uh, rightfully say, Jace, what this was in the Jesus is coming phase mm-hmm. from Genesis to Matthew. But in these last days, same thing Peter said, Joel, he quoted Joel, but he said, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. He's wrapping it all up here. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. This is what they're doing in the book of Acts, getting people tuned into this. Sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins. That's what Peter was talking about. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So that's the beginning of the end, according to the Hebrew writer and the book of Acts. Which is so, where we're at now. We're, we're yeah, sharing. Next big event is the return, and there's going to be a separation. The ones that don't know God and do oh, not obey on, the let, gospel, uh, they're gone. Let's take a quick break. All right. The yeah. name of this company is Scoremaster. So if you were going to get a loan, running low on funds and you go to the bank and you say, I need some money. They're going to look at your score, your credit score. This company has a way to improve that score more quickly. Did I get that right? Zach? Yep. You're the fact. Yeah. You're the fact checker of this ad sequence. I got it right. Yeah. Yeah. And evidently, look, the average person has almost 100 points that they can add to their credit score, Hmm. which will be a good thing. Points are good. The more you have, better. So if you're in need of some cash, you want to boost your credit score, you want to see how many plus points you can add to your credit score, go to scoremaster.com slash fill, scoremaster.com. Dot com slash Phil. Well, you're coming in and out, so North Carolina. But look, by the way, I really like, you know, you fixed that house up in, what, three days? I mean, last time I saw it, the walls were falling down. The... No, I'm in, a different, I'm in a different location. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah, I'm in a different location, which is, which is why the Internet's isn't it good. I think what's crazy about this is we're reading something. That happened 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. And you can still marry God through Jesus and the spirit of God, the creator of the universe that was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1, yep. is available for you to have inside your body and in, in with your soul. And peace will come to all men and women who... Bow their knee to Jesus Christ. The peace will come. And he's where the Jesus rate is high, the crime rate's low. Where the Jesus rate is low, the crime rate's high. It's just the way it is worldwide. But you have a valid point. You know, when he said, they said, what do we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. You know, marriage is easy until you got to change something, which 
I think I lasted a week. The honeymoon lasted a week. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to change change, <laughs> change something here. <laughs> now, I'd had premarital counseling. You know, I'd waited till I got married before I, you know, had done any extracurricular. But a weekend, repentance was necessary. Yeah. And guess what? Now I'm 30 years in, and that's pretty well a weekly occurrence. And you're, Make, still, you're still a young buck. You know, Zach, when y'all get in your 70s, you're like, hmm. And, you, and your, women, make it your women are gray-headed, and y'all will be gray-headed, you know, and you'll say, oh, okay, Dad told me about these days. I, but you're, you're, you're still a young buck. Your woman, my mom, used to be gray-headed. I notice now she's... She got black oh, hair. Look, Just, these women, they, you know, you get turn them loose. <laughs> hair and makeup is a big thing with women. I didn't learn that early either, but I finally hit me. Get out of the way when it comes for hair and hair and makeup. Yeah. They're gonna do that. Yeah. It's a woman thing, you know. When God made a woman, always remember this, Jace, he made a very strange creature. And you've learned that the hard way, son. Yeah. I mean, you're repenting after the first 10 days. That means, okay, I got a tiger by the tail here. What am I going to do with her? Yeah. Well, when I was at that wedding the other night, every time the preacher— Was she crying when she saw the wedding? No. Oh, my wife? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, that's, well that's, that's she wasn't I, crying, but she was— The tears were in her eyes. Yeah. You know, wasn't no, oh, no oh, like, oh, oh but yeah. just— she was, she was crying. She was remembering the good old days, probably when she ran up on you. But what you got to remember, because you messed out on all this about going to weddings. I've noticed something. When you, I, don't, I guess I can say this. I'm married. This is what married people do. They got, sex was God's idea, and He's like, get after it, husband, wife, go for it. When you take your wife to a wedding, that's a good place to be. Because later on that night, the romantic vibes of that carries over. It carries over. That's why I said women are strange creatures. You know, figure that out. So when she said, I'm going to come into town, do you want to go to this wedding with me? In the past, I would have I said, ah. But now I've realized what that means. So my, yeah. my phrase in all caps, because I was doing this in text messaging, was Absolutely. Well, I missed the follow-up, too. Missing your mama, she, she doesn't go around saying, you you want to go with me to a wedding? I'm like, no. Yeah, you're missing out on that. Yeah. That was a bad call, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying. Okay. Yeah. So to get this to a, to a spiritual angle, I, I think it's interesting that Peter stands up after his life of mistakes, and he's fixed to declare that God loves you despite what you actually participated in doing to Jesus. But his first line, you just think about the first line of this sermon. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk. <laughs> they, they thought since the craziness was going on with the languages and the violent wind, the what seemed to be fire, and and these guys evidently were excited to the point which the reason I'm bringing this up is because when he, Ephesians 5, when he made the marriage analogy, he then, or not analogy, but like, here's what you do, husbands, love your wives, wives submit to your husbands, but I'm talking about the church being married to Jesus. He also made another another analogy about don't get drunk on too much wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so that, that seems to be coming up a lot. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this. There was some excitement. When you, when you look at what and how the Spirit was symbolically used with the fire and the water and the wind, and when you start thinking, there, there's a hurricane in, inside of me, and it's the awesome power of God. This was an exciting thing. He then addresses the, the historical part of it because he quotes Joel saying, it's only nine in the morning, first of all, which I, I, you know, I know some people that they don't mind being drunk by nine. 
but he just made a point. It's early. And he quotes Joel saying, in these last days, so he's going back to whenever Joel wrote that, wrote that I was going to ask that, but we keep losing him. Joel said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So here we have this moment where God is going to bring all diversity together inside one union with him. And so Peter has figured that out now. He's come a long way since Jesus looked around and said, get behind me, Satan, and his denial. And so I I just think it's fascinating that if you were going to dream this up on how the creator of the universe was going to be reconciled with humans, he did it through a moment of his spirit being unleashed that everybody thought that they were drunk. The people representing God, he had to get past the fact that they're not drunk. I mean, don't you find that fascinating? It's, it's, I'm telling you, but you start through here and he keeps referring to that union between people and, and God through Jesus. And it's a, it's a marriage of sorts. And you, you start looking at that and you're saying, boy, and he keeps bringing it back. I'm speaking of the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's the building. It's the, uh, it's the way. It's all these different names. It's the temple. Yeah. It's, it's called a lot. We're, we're called a lot of names. Why yeah. people just settle on one and never never change their signage, I, I don't know. But we're called a lot of different things, yeah. including the bride of Christ. You could put that on your sign outside and say, whoa, what in the world is well, that? Well, that's my point, Phil. I'm like, I think the number one thing I get from people who are not in Jesus is they'll come visit a church, or and they're like, where's the excitement? Because if you read this, and you see the benefits, and we're talking about the, the Holy Spirit being compared to fire and wind. And, and he's it, available to you yeah, today. And they thought these people were drunk. They were so excited. And oh, then, yeah. you know, you've been in some, some settings at, at churches where it just didn't seem like this was happening. Yeah. You're like, you walk in and say, well, this seems more like a funeral. A lot of pretty good bit of hot wind, but not, not, not a whole lot of fire. I mean, when you start thinking of the benefits of what you have in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and have God as your Father, you get forgiveness, you get eternal life, you have now a purpose. Every day you have this awesome Holy Spirit inside of you. I remember thinking these things. When it's I, good news for everyone. Yeah. Every living soul out there. It is. The gospel literally means good news. It really is. Yeah. That can be news. You know, you can win a lottery and you say that's good news. Not really because it doesn't apply to anybody else. But this is for everyone. Yeah. So I just I just remember having these moments in my Christian life where the realization of of what happened here when I was in a setting like with the world whether I was going out with a girl who was not I I was thinking to myself this girl is not going to in her current condition is not going to help me get to heaven in fact she's probably going to keep that from happening so so I realized that and it gets awkward you start having this awkward conversation. Unfortunately, most of, people do not realize that. But what I'm telling you is when when the only thing I could say, or even as competitive as I was, all the sports I was involved in, and you know the odds seem overwhelming, and I didn't feel like I was playing very good, or I would just have these moments of, I have the Holy Spirit of God in me. I'm... I'm I'm going to live forever. I'm indestructible. I've been forgiven. And, and I couldn't help but be confident in these moments where I think that if I hadn't thought of these things, that I would have gone in a different direction in each of these. Not saying that every time I had that thought. But I know one thing. When I, when I read this, I, I, 
I get excited every time, and I've been reading it for 30-something years, just the birthplace of how it was came to be that we could be united with the creator of the universe. Yep. There, there's just something about that that every time I read it, I get excited. Yep. It does. With the If you're indwelled with the Spirit of God, uh, fear, fear runs away after that. Fear, yeah. fear leaves. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. So I was going to me- mention one more thing. You know, when he quotes Joel, which I'm not sure how, how long before this, Joel wrote his prophecy. Do you know that off the top of your head, Zach? I don't. No, I don't. But it was it, it, but it was at least it. a few hundred years. He he says yeah, in verse eighteen, he says, "Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days." Well, he said this is the fulfillment of that. But he also in in the quote, and I think a lot of people who haven't surrendered to Jesus, when they read things like this, it scares them. It says, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So when people read that, they're like, well, I haven't seen the moon turn to blood. What does that mean? How, how would you respond to that, Zach? Um, well, I don't think, I think it's talking like Bill was saying earlier. I think this was the, um, coming of the kingdom. I, I don't necessarily think that this is all something that is going to happen in the future. Maybe it's something that's right. about to happen right then. And I think there's some symbolism here that it's a new world. It's a new order. The, the earth as we know it has changed because now humans can actually have the Holy Spirit of God in them up until this point, you had a chosen nation, which was the shadow of the church becoming the chosen nation of God. Don't you agree? So don't get so hung up on trying to take this literal saying, well, I didn't see, you know, see all these cheesy movies that like, Oh, you know, those, those boons turn into blood. And at the death of Jesus, they, there was quite a few things that were mentioned. Darkness covered the whole land I mean, it was a, it was a major event. Yeah, I think that literally happened. Oh, the, I think so. Yeah. So what we're saying is this was fulfilled in Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. This this happened right here. Yeah. He's quoting it, saying it's here. Would you agree? That's the only point. Yeah. I was trying well, to make. I, I, yeah. My what I was going to say is is that if you go back and and read the Old Testament, kind of the history of of what happened there. There was a there was a continual. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but there was a continual kicking God out of the temple, and then God's presence would come back, and it was like this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth relationship with God's people and His dwelling in the temple that they kept bastardizing. And and what's happening here is he he's saying, "No, I'm going to come in, and you're going to be the temple." Like I'm yeah. like literally, the Holy Spirit is going to live inside of a body. And um, that's a pretty profound thought. That's why when we were talking earlier, I was saying it's not simply spiritual because it, it is spiritual because it's God's Holy Spirit. But where is he living? He's yeah. living in us. He's living in our bodies. And wherever we go, then we have the spirit with us. We are the temple, which is profound right. to think about the implications of that. Oh, it, it's amazing. And so what, what I was getting at is a lot of people miss out on that, having God literally inside of them and representing him 
because they're trying to figure out, well, I'm waiting on this. When's the moon going to turn to blood? And when I see that, I'll, I'll change my life, which I think that's why he said when they said, you know, this Jesus, God has made him both Lord and Christ. And they're like, well, what do we do? They were cut to the heart because they realize God has become a human from our country. And yeah. we killed him, but it was God's way of, of doing that to save us. And guess what? He's not dead. He has the power well, to come it, back it, from it the dead. Say that again. Yeah, well, it wasn't just that. They, they were also, think about what he said. He, made, he told them, you know the Messiah, the one you guys have been prophesying about and waiting on, the one you've studied in the scriptures, like he, that guy. Yeah, that they, they yeah he came. Are. You missed him. <laughs> uh, some are. <laughs> well, yeah, some are. But these folks, in particularly in, in in Jerusalem here, they were they waited on the Messiah to come, and then Peter said, "You killed the one that you've been waiting on." And I think that was the burning conviction that they felt because it was like, "Wow, we put all of our hope in this coming of a Messiah. He came, and then we killed him." But then the good news of that is, but he was raised from the dead. You didn't, yeah. I mean, you killed him, but he didn't stay in the grave, which is the hope, right? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how mortal men without help from God could have dreamed this story up. You see what I'm saying, uh, Zach? How in the world could you have yeah. dreamed this up? You talk about way out there. It's a scandal. Huh? It's a scandal. It's a, it's a ridiculous scandal, except for the fact that it's true. <laughs> and the power of the spirit is made manifest the people are are crushed they were cut to the heart peter tells them to repent and be baptized every one of them in the name of jesus christ so that their sins will be forgiven and uh, you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit he starts there and he told him it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him within a few minutes earlier. If you go to Acts, that's two. You go to Acts 3, you disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. And that's what he told him in Acts 2. But God raised him from the dead, and we're witnesses of all this. You get to Acts 4, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You can look down a little further in Acts 4. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead. And they went on Acts 5, before Acts 5, the last Acts 4. Great power of the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was on them all. Look, and I'm just giving you a few. You yeah. say the book of Acts, the focus, the focal point is the resurrection of the dead, Zach. Yeah. Resurrection yeah. of the dead over and over and over. You would think in a world where we know we're going to die of something physically, we're going to pass away, as they say. We're going to be lost. Yeah. They pro proclaim the resurrection of the dead like it's a snap based on what Jesus did. The, the most amazing part to me about Acts 2 is just as much about what he didn't say in his sermon. Because here's the first sermon where people can now be united with God through Jesus. He didn't get off. He didn't have a list of sins. No. He, you know, the only time he mentions things that are sinful is he said, you with the help of wicked men put him to death. Uh, he, In verse 40, after he had told him, repent and be baptized, he said, repent, because you're going to make some changes yep. if Jesus is your Lord. Yep. He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. But I just, I just think if you step back and look at it, he just introduced Jesus. So here, here is who he is, and here's what he did, and here's what he will do. And they heard it and said, what do we do? Now, then he got into making some changes. And I believe here, baptism is more of a surrender. Kind of like when you surrender your will 
in your marriage, you know, to my wife. Someone else has you by the nap of the neck and pushing you under a pool of water. It's kind of a humbling. You're basically saying, I'm done. Let let someone else is is doing the. Yeah, but it's like like your marriage. You think about when they ask you your vows. I mean, they went through the vows Saturday night. They were like, do you promise to to have and hold it with i think their phraseology was with a little or with a lot in sickness and in health and they went through all these things and you're you're saying yep i'm i'm surrendering to this person that's why i like that in ephesians 5 where it kind of sets the tone about submit to one another out of reverence for christ obviously we have roles in marriage and we can get to that another time but here you he brings up repent, which is more than just an acknowledgement that I'm a I'm a sinner. It's he he later on says that in Acts you prove, make a decision, prove yeah. Prove your repentance by your deeds. You change and you prove your repentance by your deeds, and then be baptized. He also discusses that with because obviously the churches after Acts from Romans all the way to Revelation, they didn't understand baptism. That's why it keeps coming up. He keeps saying, now look, here's what happened. And he gets into the weeds and the details. But you can actually reenact Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You know, Paul told the Romans that. Yep. And so, but he didn't really explain it here. They he just said, here's what he did. Just do he it. goes through the cross. It's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He came back from the dead. He poured out the spirit, which you now see and hear. God made him both Lord and Christ. They said, What do we do? He said, well, repent, make some changes and prove it, surrender, be baptized. You'll get forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit, not because you necessarily did those things, but you did those things because you've now fallen in love That's with Jesus. That's what it says. Yeah, but he, but the point was Jesus. You, you fall on your knees, you're cut to the heart, and then the responding is just, there. what do we do? So to me, these days, there's a lot of arguments about how you respond and the semantics of that. Let's get the presentation of Jesus right first because that's what led to the response. And to me, my blood boils when people start arguing about how we're going to respond and what we said in the response. And I'm like, well, let's make sure we're presenting Jesus because most people that I've seen I would say all of them, but from my eyes, it's hard to see. When people fall in love with Jesus based on what Peter described here on what he did and how powerful he is, oh, they're going to respond. In fact, you can't, you can't stop them from responding. No. Good luck trying. Hmm. I'll right. preach. See you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.